I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. Today's guest is Nadine McClellan. She's got bipolar too. Let's talk about it. Thank God that there's now a female on the show because I feel like mm. the amount of like testosterone dick talk <laughs> that's happened on the show, like we got to put that to rest you, at least for you, today. Do you, do you think like, it will be really put to rest? No, probably really not. I'm so I'm, I'm going to apologize ahead of time, that's Nadine. Fine. Uh, for the for these guys, okay. no, Dude, but you talk about your dick. I know. I, talk about mine. I know. Every episode, <laughs> I don't Just talk about. Get it in I there. don't talk about my dick very much unless Brian makes a comment about how red it is. You know what? Though for me, it naturally which comes isn't, up, which isn't true. For me, it naturally comes Just up. So you guys, knows. you guys force it. Speaking of come. Okay, we weren't. No, we weren't. No, no, we, no, we, we weren't. actually weren't speaking we weren't. about it. So. You said come, and that's when not it comes happening. Up. No, Dude, no, no, that's no, not no. how that works. No, that's not how that works. It's, it's called, that, that's getting cut. It's called cutting con- that out of this episode. I didn't even. I wasn't even aware that we were starting. <laughs> Nadine, hi. Is that, is that the transition into? Yeah, the that's the transition. How's it going? Good. I'm really happy to be here. Sweet. We are um, super happy to have you. Yeah, we are. Why don't you tell us why you're here? Well, you have bipolar. I don't know if you're... (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what you told me. Yes. No, I have bipolar type 2. Type 2. Yeah. Didn't know that there... I didn't know that there were two types of bipolar. There's actually a spectrum of bipolar. So there's more than one and two. There are. There's unipolar, bipolar disorder... I don't know if that's right. Actually, they're bipolar you three. Don't, that's the thing about this show; you don't have to be right. Okay, you can just <laughs> it's, it's yeah. whatever you know is a okay with us. with us. Perfect. Well, there, are, yeah, there are melancholic forms, and it is on a spectrum, much like much like the rainbow. Yes, exactly. Colors All the, the colors yeah. of the rainbow. Good what color there. would you fall into? Uh, what color do I identify yeah. with? Better not be purple. Depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot more research into how it is a spectrum because people were showing up with your classic bipolar syndrome symptoms. However, there was this big, large group of people who at times fell into these these um having these symptoms and and they didn't quite fit into the category of of the regular symptoms that you yeah. say were were classified with uh bipolar but what so what would some of those symptoms be well a lot of people sh- show up with clear mania so mm. can, okay can you so you were we went out for beers last night and you yes. were sort of talking about your illness and you use that word mania a couple of times and manic. Those are words that I have. Uh, I actually have no 
connection to those words at all. I don't know what, okay. what those mean at all. What is mania? Mania is when you're in a state of just disconnect from the world. You could be hallucinating or having delusions, hearing voices. Straight up seeing stuff. Yes. Or feeling things even. Um, and you're, you have very little control about what you're saying or doing. Like, I don't like think you would any be, insight in what you're like, saying. Like you would, you could, to to people that know you really well, you could be like a completely different human being and people yeah. are like, what's going on? Yeah, people would definitely know when you're in that yeah. state. Mm-hmm. And the other side of bipolar is the depressive um, episode, which people that, are more familiar with. I think those symptoms. So, so is that manic? manic? No. I think is manic is manic when you are in this kind of like elated state and then you would have your depressive state and then in between you'd have your normal state. Mm -hmm. So the difference in the spectrum of types of bipolar, does that vary how often you frequent those higher and lower states? Right. They absolutely. So I'm type two. I can't go into a manic episode unless I'm misusing drugs or alcohol or taking an antidepressant Mm -hmm. so i have personally had manic episodes uh it was after taking an antidepressant though because i went and sought help when i was having depressive symptoms Mm -hmm. i then took them after a few weeks of them being in my system and getting to a therapeutic range i went from getting from being depressed to normal to being like way out there. Mm-hmm. What uh, what happened when you went into that manic state? What like what do you remember it? Or is that like a part of your that just like that moment of your life just be like I have no I blacked out. Yeah, there's definitely some of that blackout, but I do remember things and I know of things that happened during that time. But yeah, specific other people told memories. You, like yes. other people were like you you were saying you're flying a dragon yeah (laughs) (laughs) um to give some to give some context to to you and to your experience with this and what do you do i think your profession gives a lot of context to how you how you view what you deal with and everything so can you tell us a little bit about how about what you do as a profession absolutely so uh my nurse uh, my educational background is in nursing right now i'm Hoping to get into some research with an agency in Canada that researches depression because they're requiring that research studies now have people with lived experience Mm -hmm. so that the research benefits people with lived Hmm. experience, but also benefits the researchers as well. Which Mm -hmm. sounds so intelligent to to do that. Doesn't it seem innate? And this is something new in Canada, but they've been doing it in Australia and Europe for years. That's really, really cool. So So that... Sorry, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say, let, I, take us back to, uh, I'm really curious about the like the timeline, like the chronological timeline of, of how you were like introduced into the, into this world of, of like all this Being new language. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, because obviously growing up, it might, I'm assuming it wasn't something that was always prevalent and then it started to develop or. Yeah. So with bipolar disorder, it's so difficult to diagnose because. There's so much stuff going on, so many similarities to other illnesses. Is it situational? Is it environmental? What's going on? But with having bipolar, there's usually a big cliff where you've kind of fallen off. Mm -hmm. And I can remember very specifically in third year when things like changed drastically for me. 
So up until that point, uh, so in third year university, you kind of had this experience that kind of made you feel like you had, as you say, dropped off a cliff. What was that like? A lot of things just started to change. I couldn't hide how much I was drinking anymore. I was engaged to like my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. I ended that. I started Wait, like straight up engaged, engaged. Yeah. Whoa. When I was eighteen. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and I left that relationship. I started doing really strange things from like what my norm was, kind of acting out. I kind of thought it would was just being young and being kind of carefree and careless. But now looking back, I'm pretty sure that's when it started. Mm-hmm. When I was in first year. I had told that person that I was starting to feel depressed and they said, well, what do you have to be depressed about? And I remember thinking, what do I have to be depressed about? But that's not what depression is. It's not like you have a thing to be depressed about. It's that you are just depressed because of the ill, the, the whatever's going on. Of the, the chemical the misfirings in your brain. Yeah, yeah exactly. On your body. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I started feeling my first depression in first year, but there wasn't any clear cut unwellness there wasn't it didn't affect my life yeah it was just kind of like a state that you were you know a bit self-aware of but not necessarily driving you to do things that were Mm -hmm. too out of character or anything like that Mm -hmm. versus like later on where and i and i have some experience with with people in my life that i've seen kind of go through states that are that you're like whoa that is that's not like you at all. And this is kind of crazy. Is this a phase or what are you going through? Is there something going on in your life that's triggering this? And then to find out later that it's, you know, they've been diagnosed with, you know, something like bipolar or personality disorder or something like that, where they were sent into a manic state. So I find that really interesting. So you, you in first year started feeling, uh, pretty sad and you were feeling like you were, you were maybe depressed. Um, what from there, what happened? What was the next sort of like, like red flag. I think in third year, one of the big red flags was I'll, I'll always keep going back to third year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I just was unable to sit or study, I was constantly getting up and jumping around and moving from thing to thing, almost like ADD, just very distractible, very inattentive. And my grades started being really affected and. It was just completely unlike my normal self. Now, at this point, have you seeked uh, medical like help, or were you seeing anyone or talking to anyone about it? No, no, no. You were just like, man, I'm, I'm a mess. And this <laughs> exactly. Is, and this is third year. So, what are you? Twenty, twenty-one in this? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. How old are you now? Twenty-five. All right. So, and then, and then, where do you get to the point that you realize that something's up, uh, that you're not feeling normal, and that you have to go and see somebody about this? It wasn't until about two years later, to be oh, honest. Wow. wow. Okay. Whoa. Which, um, this is something I want to bring up. The average time it takes for someone to be diagnosed from their first onset is eight years. Whoa. So I look back and I oh have four years of unwellness. <laughs> and I can't imagine having to live through that twice. Yeah. So what? when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, how the fuck does that affect relationships in your life right because like were people saying like you need to get checked or you need to like you need to see someone or were they like you're fucking crazy like i can't handle (laughs) you i can't take like i can't take what 
is going on with you because you're too much for me. Or I was dating the same person for those four years. So <laughs> good on him. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or or what was going on in his head yeah. to be okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. And did you did you try to hide this? Uh, was there some type of I mean, you mentioned alcohol was a, a coping mechanism, yeah. but did, were you hiding it or trying to mask the way that you felt? It was just the way I felt. I don't think that it came down to hiding it. It was, I, the people around me knew who I was and I think I knew something was wrong, but I didn't have a lot of insight mm -hmm. into that. It was difficult. It was difficult to come and be like, I need help. Yeah. It didn't come until much later, like yeah. you said. Do you, do you find that the way that you were feeling inside, maybe it didn't manifest or project outwards, but it was just kind of something internal. you were really holding in? Yeah, it was probably more so internal. You're right. It's so it's so interesting that, that it goes four years or eight or like that you, the average is eight years. Because, I mean, in terms of relationships, that's four or eight years of like zero answers for the people that are in your life that for why things are playing out the way they are. But uh, in contrast to like a physical illness, something happens, you notice it physically, you go to the doctor, they take blood tests, they do what they do, and then you are given an answer. And like a pretty concrete or definitive answer in most cases with physical illness, but with the case of mental illness, you know, that long stretch of time and how difficult is it? Or like, what did you have to go through? What was the process to like see doctors or psychi psychiatrists and stuff to for them to give you what they think is a concrete diagnosis. When I was in fourth year, I went and saw a counselor through Dal Psych, and nothing really came of that. It wasn't until I'm a year ago, February, so this is February 2014, I went and sought help through addiction services, and I got hooked up with a psychiatrist through them, and it was a matter of trying meds and going through all that fun stuff that's fucking crazy Lots just of to growing think pains. yeah to think of like well we don't really know how to deal with it because it's it could be a number of things so yes. let's try these different cocktails and see what happens absolutely so that's what it just seems so dangerous they're just giving you meds and going if it works then oh that oh so like by trial and error they can kind of diagnose you through the meds that you're taking exactly they kind Are of you... started the most helpful meds and kind of I think that paints a really good picture of how, how, how much catching up mental, like the field of mental illness yeah. diagnosis and, and treatment has to do with physical illness. Were you under like super strict, um, I don't know, like supervision when no. you were, no, no, whoa. Cause it, cause I, again, I don't know much about the side of mental illness, but I, I feel like when you start delving into those types of medications, like it can really fuck with your with your mental state and like can send you into some like really bad places. Bad places, yeah. yeah. Did you have bad experiences with the wrong meds? Twice. Well, it was with the same med, but within a matter of a few weeks, I attempted suicide two times. Whoa! In one week. In it was, I think, about three weeks. So within a month, it was two very serious attempts, mm -hmm. oh and my gosh. it was because I was taking antidepressants and went into a state of being totally unlike myself. Something so, similar happened last fall, but it is, it's dangerous. Yeah. But, you and, know, I found a medication that works for me and it probably did save my life. So now you're on, you're, you're medicated now? Yes. And, and I take an anticonvulsant, which is interesting, right? For, for what? <laughs> to, so that you just, that's a part, that's a part of bipolar too? Like just, um, 
sort of seizures? Is that what an anticonvulsant is? I don't know. Yes, exactly. Okay, right, You're right, Jeremy. Anticonvulsing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I won't be doing any convulsing in the studio. Right oh, now. excellent. <laughs> Covered for that. But no, it's an atypical drug that they use. For some reason, it has mood stabilizing. Okay, so you've never... It, seizures isn't something that you've been like, oh, I've been dealing with seizures for a bit. I have had seizures, oh, you have? though. So it's Whoa. interesting. Oh, man. Like, you feel, <laughs> I feel like you've gone through everything. Like you've... Uh, yeah. What haven't you, <laughs> you? What haven't you dealt with? That'll be easier to work backwards from yeah. there, right? It's I know. Like the I know. Working backwards. Well, so yeah. here's probably a, a very insensitive and uh, ignorant question. But do you hear voices? No, I don't. Okay, <laughs> just the ones that are speaking <laughs> to her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of coming from humans that are alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had that, but I imagine it would be very scary. I can imagine. Right? Yeah. But I mean, I imagine if you were to hear voices, <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily would you know, know yeah. that they were voices. Exactly. How do you know you that. don't hear voices? <laughs> I, that's I was what we just were, thinking We were that. joking about this last night, and we were like, are, are you sure? <laughs> How can you be sure? One of the things that, that I feel really important, to be really important about this episode, is that it's coming back to what Taylor said, is that mental illness is is lagging behind in the diagnosis world and compared to, because it's a disease, it's an illness. It's the, the same thing as having cystic fibrosis, except it's just affecting a different part of your body. Exactly. Yeah. And which is, and your you're mind. not coughing all the time. And, okay, Brian, come and, on. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, the, not but the thing is, is, is you walk around knitting and, and people can't tell. People don't see it's that you're, you're exactly. It's invisible. And there's so much that, you're dealing with how should people how do you want people to interact with you that's a good question i, I, I think you're right though walking around uh, one of my counselors told me i had pretty white girl syndrome <laughs> it's like you would look at me and just be like oh you know you never know about what someone is coming to you with or where they're, where mm-hmm. they're coming from mm-hmm. so i think i just want to be interacted with in the same way that i would want anyone to interact with anyone else mm-hmm. you don't know who and, that person is. And that was kind of, sorry, that's kind of where I was, I was thinking you were going to go with that. And it's the fact that you have this and Jeremy, you have CF and when I do, and I'm sure that you want people to interact with you just like anybody else does. Yeah. Right. Totally. And that's the thing. When, as soon as people hear Taylor mentioned last night, he said, there's a lot of taboo surrounding mental illness. And I, I think that's really true. When, when you tell people that you have bipolar, how do how do they typically react? That's something I've just gotten used to in the last like Two eight days. months. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yesterday. I just like yeah, no. Uh, so the last eight months, I've been dealing with that. How do I talk to people about it? How do I let them know? When do I let them know? And that's just been a trial and error sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, when I've, you when you approached us to be on the show, I remember one of the first things of me thinking was. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. And then I went, Oh, like, I hope, I hope there's nothing that we might say that might like break her, you know, or like send her into like a downward spiral of pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And just like snap like that, you know, like one trigger word or triggers or anything like that. Yeah. That kind of sucks that that's where my mind went, right? Like, that kind of sucks. That... I think it's coming from a good intention, though. Yeah, I totally. can yeah. tell that it, it's because you have concern and because you genuinely want to know. Yeah. There's a lot of that, I think, tiptoeing around the subjects where so people much of it. don't want 
to not be comfortable, but mm. it is. It's hard yeah. to approach. It's ignorance. It's ignorance because I think that a lot of the social... Are you calling me ignorant? No, no, ignorance. Is... <laughs> the point that I was going to make... <laughs> okay, that's actually good that you cough there. So, like, you don't cough. You're not coughing all the time. I, if, you, if I walked down the street and I followed you for a couple minutes and you didn't cough, I would never know that anything was wrong with you. Yeah. Or if you coughed, I would notice, oh, maybe there's something going on there. But it's not present at all times, even though it's a physically manifesting illness. Yeah. With mental illness, I think <coughs> in society, you hear that somebody has an issue, uh, you know, any type of mental illness, uh, and they think it's affecting you on like a second to second basis, and you are like, like anything could happen at yeah, all times. At any like, point. You're, like you're a different person all the time because of it, rather than like there are times when it affects you and there are times where it's not affecting you. Like, right, you can step away from it maybe a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. But that's not the case, right? That's not the that's not the case, though. Like you're not you're not always like are you are you're not constantly being affected by your bipolar two? Are you? Or like, is it something that's always there? That's like not a voice, but like almost (laughs) like a voice in the back of your head, like always being like, "Hey, I'm here," and guess what? Like, shit could hit the fan at any point. Absolutely, I definitely have that voice in my head. That's I very knew it. Ig- so do I though. So do so do I and it's so a, do you. It's, it's called your, your super it's ego. It's called yeah. your consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's your super ego. So you have this punitive voice that's looking down on you like, who do you think you are? Oh, yeah. What are you doing? I'm such an asshole. Uh, right? Yeah. And I think I've just kind of learned to put that aside, which mm-hmm. a lot everyone has that mm-hmm. voice. I try to be much more objective in my life because I have to be. Uh but there's always that thing. I think I have this extra layer of like distrust in myself. Mm. Oh, okay. Like, so you're con- so you're like you're always you're always and you were saying this last night that you're always kind of checking on yourself. Like when you make a decision, you kind of think, mm. okay, what what provoked that decision? What motivated that decision? Was it me or was it the a state that I'm experiencing because of what I deal with? Yeah, I cut. 18 inches of my hair off in the spring and I was like am I doing this because I'm manic am I, but if you're if you're gonna do that anyway you're going to you're gonna be thinking about it and cutting you're gonna your be nails in the morning your, <laughs> I don't know if I should be cutting these nails <laughs> you're gonna be tossing up your decisions anyway but I think I just do it in a way where I'm just like okay stop it Mm-hmm. You, well, I don't know. It's weird. so if if you are going through a a, a, a what do you like state? Is that the, an episode? An episode? Yeah. Are you? Do you have the ability to step back and like see that that's happening, or is it not until in retrospect you look back and go, oh, for the last month I've been going through an episode? That's a good question. I think now at this point in my life, I do have some insight and I keep track of myself mm-hmm. in an healthy way do you keep a journal or yeah that's probably one of the more important things to do so i can look back and have like a clear objective transcript of what's been going on have you ever gone back uh and sort of reread your journal and, and been like holy shit that's not me yeah, I can tell looking back even if my handwriting's really off. Right. I know that wow. yeah, that's, that's one so of those things for sure. There's so many physical ways that this manifests as well. Do you walk different or anything? Yes. Yeah, I really do. get the fuck out of here. Really? <laughs> yes, you I do? do. I do. Um <laughs> when <me> about that. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> I'm hypo. I walk quite quickly and when I'm 
depressed though i have this look on my face and everyone has such great concern because my facial expression is just like, just like, like ultra re- sad. resting bitch face it's so <laughs> yeah. it's extreme resting bitch face it's basic white girl lingo a, there boys that's really, yeah <laughs> yeah that's a really funny way to put that brian yeah. thank you yeah so uh, everyone i remember going and seeing psychologists and they would be like you're too young to be this sad you just look so sad you look so sad and why is this psychologist? Like, this awful. sounds like a psychologist that shouldn't be licensed to yeah. be a psychologist. <laughs> Chin up, little one. Yeah, and I've gotten that from like several people. Like, I think I just look so sad that I made them uncomfortable. Maybe. Yeah. Which it's called psychomotor retardation. So everything's just a little bit slower. I talk slower. I walk slower. That's something I notice when I'm walking with other people. When I'm hypo, I'll generally tend to like skip and run and people <laughs> I, I dance everywhere yeah pretty much well that sounds fun <laughs> your whole life turns into a musical yeah yeah so uh, but yeah no coming to what brian said like that does sound fun so like, why would you not why would you want to treat but that, yeah right? exactly and isn't there's, hypo there's... down isn't hypo if we're going to draw a line and say that you're either below or above is yeah. hypo is down and hyper is, is up right or am i confusing those two so if you looked at yourself as having a normal mood mm-hmm. depression would be below and is, which is hypo no hypo is just a little hypomania is a, like you're under mania but you're above normal oh okay it's this state in between where you're not out of touch with reality but you're having a lot of symptoms where you're more much more like elevated mood than in your normal state and right. you're right so in bipolar 2 you can actually you cannot actually reach mania so you can go into hypomania states which is just slightly above your baseline yes. and then uh, depression which is below but in in bipolar 2 if i'm if i'm right these episodes occur in a shorter in shorter bursts, if you will, than in in compared to like bipolar, bipolar one. one. Yeah. yeah, you cycle through those moods quite quickly. Women tend to have more rapid cycling than men, but the prevalence of bipolar disorder is the same in men and women. In like a short, brief description, type one, more intense, less frequent. Type two, less intense, more frequent. Yes. And when you were talking about it being fun, a lot of there is a lot of work about how to use your hypomanic times as being really creative and kind of putting them to use. And there's lots of famous people like who probably had had episodes or were were diagnosed with with or, or undiagnosed, but had showed signs of it. Yeah. Well, Florence Nightingale, she was a nurse. She was posthumously diagnosed. And there's people like Chris Brown and Russell Brand and Amy Winehouse. Mm, right. But there's also people like Nietzsche, Van Gogh, or uh, Edgar Allan Poe, Ernest Hemingway. Mm. I know all Wolf, of these people. Jackson mm. Pollock. <laughs> there's so lots smart. of creative so types. So yes, uh, Van Gogh probably would have had something like uh, Bipolar 1, though, yes. right? Because he was pretty extreme. Crazy enough that he cut a zero Sliced a zero. Exactly. Yeah. uh coming back to the hypomania mm-hmm. uh correct me if i'm wrong hypomania is the, is, it, is it a thing that people like try to medicate themselves to stay in that state like i want to be hypomania i want to be a hypomaniac forever uh, exactly and i think one of the things why people want that is because it's so much better than being depressed oh yeah it sounds great it sounds like you're on mdma 
all day, every day. That's the only thing that I have <laughs> yeah. to like to like <laughs> to relate to that. that? <laughs> yeah. What's that movie called where they take the where he takes a pill and it's just uh, limitless, ooh, limitless, oh. the Matrix. Oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, uh, uh, wrong uh, pill, wrong pill. Yeah, yeah. with uh, could have been anything really. Bradley Cooper. It is. Yeah, a great film. That's right. Um, well, so entertaining. I I want to ask you. I want to ask you to take us through an episode. Like take us through. A period of when you're when you notice that you're feeling uh, baseline, and then you go either into the above the line or below the line. Sure. But before I before I ask that question, is it possible for you to notice that? Because it, it kind of seems almost like it's a blend. So, is it possible to take us through an episode? Yeah, it's my life, so I do know. Can we do an episode right here? <laughs> can, we, can we bring put you there and then bring you back? Yeah. <laughs> how, fucked, how fucked up would that be? And and the second part of that question is: Is it cyclical? So will you go up and then inevitably go Come down down. before you go back up, or could you go up baseline up baseline? I think you can. I've definitely gone up from my baseline and back down and had pretty long periods of time without going through depression. Mm-hmm. That's probably because of medication. But usually when I am feeling depressed, I wake up in the morning feeling very depersonalized, like almost like, whoa, I'm a person. You know, when you're kind of like really consciously aware that like you're everyone has it. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So you wake up with that feeling and as the day moves on, it's almost kind of like a fever where you're just becoming busier and busier and busier until at the end of the day, you're just... There's nothing left. Tank is empty. Tank is empty. Been And you've been running on fumes yeah. for a while. And how long could that last? What's your longest burst of being in that state? Well, I would look back at periods of months and being like, that was a lot of hypomania. I could look back or look back at a couple months and be like, that was a lot of depression. I'm sure through the day I was cycling or through Mm. days, but there was a more prominent tone. Oh, okay. It's so wild to me to think like, because like with CF, everything's so black and white. Like I'll wake up one day and that day my lungs will be feeling like fucking bang on, you know? And then like this morning I wake up and I cough to the point where I throw up. And like the rest of the day, I have this like heaviness in my chest. It's like, I know today sucks. I know that yesterday was great. Whereas with, it seems with what you're dealing with, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like (laughs) I look back at the last month and I had some ups and downs, but they all just kind of blend together. And it isn't until I can look back at it and go, oh yeah, that was, um, you know, this, this was how it was. Right. And it's so, it's so like, I think you said it earlier, Brian, it's so blended together. It's so, yeah, it's like seamless, you know, there's no, there, there is no dry, like stop, start, stop, start. It's, is it your journal? Is it your journal that you use predominantly to go back and like make a, like do an analysis of, of those periods of time? Absolutely. And I do check in with myself on the daily just to see where I'm at. If I know I'm sleeping a lot less and I don't notice, like I don't feel any more tired, then I'm obviously... Does it get exhausting having like a, a super hyper awareness about yourself, about about your actions and everything? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's challenging, but I also try to like just throw a lot of compassion at myself. When I look mm. back at times where I was really sick or really alone in not great places. I just wish that I could go back and give myself a hug and Mm -hmm. say, you know. Right. And at this point in your life, how did you feel that your relationships with other people were, were working out? 
did you find that this diagnosis with or not so so much diagnosis but this this realization that you were dealing with something did this affect your relationships i think having a diagnosis and being on a plan has helped that before i went through a pretty significant relationship looking back i have a lot of regret which is normal in relationships but there's this other like element of it where i didn't really have a lot of control so that's one of the things that affects most is your relationships and who was who was the first person that you told about this i think it was my brother to be honest and how did he react I think I remember telling him when I was in his room, it was absolutely my brother that I told first and I just kind of like broke down and you have so many ideas in your mind of what this is and you know, now my life's going to be this and uh, it's going to be terrible. And uh, Is it like, are we talking the first time you told someone like the words bipolar? Yes. Okay. What did you mean? Yeah, no, no, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That was my brother and... I remember him being supportive. There had been a lot of things going on in my life and it had been pretty challenging for a few years. So he was just there for me. There was no real conversation. He was just there and supportive. Do you think that that gave him like a sense of, that gave him like almost like a sense of relief in some way? Like was he, was he privy to a lot of the things that were going on in your life that were a result of you you know, going through your ups and downs or, and and that it's kind of like, okay, now I know how to support you because I know that there is like, there's something pretty concrete that's going on with you. I think it was more so just telling someone and having someone with me. It wasn't a, I don't think it was a relief to him Mm. because I had been treated for other things as well leading up to this with the whole medication trials and that sort of thing. And did, did you find that that talking about it then was was therapeutic? Yeah. And if if there are people out there living with this undiagnosed kind of mental illness or depression or how or how important is it that they go and talk to somebody about it and talk to somebody that they can trust? I think most people live with on most people with mental health issues. I would say the vast majority lives with undiagnosed mental health Mm -hmm. issues yeah and is it because they don't talk about it yeah absolutely um so it's interesting to to look at it in the sense that you talking about it was was one of the most therapeutic things that you could do but talking about it was also one of the hardest things to do Mm. and i went to a group therapy it was cbt a cognitive behavioral therapy. I did two sessions of that with groups and it was so amazing to see how therapeutic it was for people to walk into a room with strangers over eight weeks, just be able to, Vent. it was the most therapeutic yeah. thing mm-hmm. that I've experienced in my uh, treatment. And it's f- when I did it the second time I walked in and here's this group of strangers and the woman running the, the session she was like, wow, you're a totally different person. And it's. I'm glad I did it the two times because at the first time I was sort of absorbing it all. And the second time I was more so contributing. Yeah. And that is hugely therapeutic. Mm-hmm. 
hugely. Mm-hmm. And just to know that I'm not alone, I think that was the common thread through the whole group was I'm not alone. It feels amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing to hear that 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 that's that that is from your point of view the most important thing because I think you know like you said a lot of things are go undiagnosed because people don't talk about it and that can start to break down the taboo of in society is people yeah. being open to talk about it and people being open to receiving that and being understanding and compassionate. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Do you... um do you are you seeing someone right now? Are you in a uh, in like a relationship right now? Yeah. And that person that you're with, uh, they're they're privy to your condition. Yes, they are. About every time I come to that, like I'm like you're the illness yeah. condition <laughs> disease. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's important. But when you're reading, I've done a lot of reading because. When it comes to talking about this, I don't have anyone that I can talk to and be like, hey, this is our common shared experience. There's no one that I know my age that I can talk to about. So I do a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. I believe in bibliotherapy. (laughs) And uh, the I read a lot about the relationship thing. And I think it just... What the hell is bibliotherapy? (laughs) Reading books. (laughs) Oh. Uh, Bibliotech? I think it's Gloria oh, yeah. Steinem who said that. I was that. like, Bible therapy? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad you asked that because I'm sure that there's somebody listening who is also like, what the Dude, fuck I didn't is know. Bibliotherapy? I didn't know. I was like, Bibliotherapy? What the fuck is that? Jared, that's the first time I was I looking at you two but... going, why are you guys nodding like you know what she's saying? You know you don't know what she's saying. <laughs> Jeremy's just not on the same intellectual wavelength as the rest of us over here. It's the CF. I think when it comes to that, though, you just you need to know yourself and just be objective about your relationships be honest the reason i'm here is because i'm pretty shameless about this all and i care about it and i care about myself and i know that there's so many people (coughs) living with living with and living through what i've been through so yeah i'm a pretty open honest person when it comes to that i can understand why it's challenging though Mm. i remember being nervous and that sort of thing talking about it but when it comes down to it's just me how long have you guys been seeing each other for the first short amount of time like a little bit just a couple months or so yeah and um like has has um i guess has your bipolar uh become an issue like in that relationship not so far not so far and is that something that you worry about is that something that you think about like oh i hope my i hope bipolar doesn't fuck this up yeah, and I think what a lot of that all comes down to is just shame. Like you just need to address the shame thing that just comes with the territory. And I think it just comes with being a person too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a lot of your anger, sadness is secondary to shame. We don't really talk about shame the way we do about other emotions. But mm. uh, yeah, I try to try to see where I'm coming from. But it, it is a fear of. Mm-hmm not being able to 
be with myself through certain things, maybe. Mm-hmm. So you're taking you're taking medication now. Um, is that something that you'll have to take for the rest of your life? Yeah. And is there any repercussions of taking medication like that forever? Will you always be on the same medication, or do they switch it up? Yeah. That's... Can you grow? Can you get uh, grow like an immunity to um, like almost like antibiotics, like a um, a resistance to the drug? Yeah. I haven't had that experience so far, not going to but I'm prepared f- for when it could happen. Lithium is kind of the gold standard when it comes to treating bipolar. Uh, sodium valproate also is. And Some those are tense kind of, sounding drugs. <laughs> yeah. All drugs Dude, lithium. sound so. I know. Lithium, lithium sounds like uh, a battery? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lithium oh, ion, wait a minute. Lithium <laughs> ion shit. batteries? Do you have a battery pack? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just charge it up. Yeah. 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 So the Energizer but, Bunny but, uh, is on lithium. I haven't gone for any of those meds yet. Do you know, do, has anybody talked to you about symptoms or side effects from taking? Side effects, I guess, from taking these drugs for a prolonged period of time. Nobody's talked about with me about that. No, that's an interesting point. <clears throat> Google um, it, Brian. We were talking about we were talking about this last night about the the idea that um, you know the the gap between the between physical illness and mental illness and how you know people once got the you know people still die from getting the flu, but there was a time in, there was a period in time where people got the flu and they were basically like, you are almost definitely going to die. Because uh, we just don't have anything to treat that, and now we do. So, you know, I wonder if there will be a time, uh, a period in time, where we come to kind of that same that same state where we have cures or treatments that basically render those things obsolete. Like we can get rid of where they come, and you diagnose them, and then you can get rid of them. I just want, I just, I just find that really interesting. If we'll ever get to that to that place, I think so. It more so comes to us coming to a place of understanding about the way our minds work. Yeah. Cause the brain, that's, that's the thing yeah. that I find so fascinating about mental illness and just like the brain in general. Like I, so I spent the weekend at Oceaga and I'm not gonna lie, I took some drugs. All right. I, I did some <laughs> mushrooms while I was there and like it totally, Is that it? that's well, all you did. <laughs> moving on. It, <laughs> like it totally altered, um, you know, like it totally altered me of like who I normally am and like how I normally carry myself. And, and, uh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a negative experience. It was a, it was a fantastic experience. Um, but it's so crazy that our brains, like the, the, the human mind just boggles my mind, mm. you and, know, like, and the fact that you can be sick in your mind and it can, it can totally change day to day, like your, your day to day attitude and your day to day energy and, it's just such a wild, wild thing. To and me. you were saying how, you know, like when you when you do a drug like mushrooms or something, you know, it's an experience that it 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 makes you not necessarily who you are on a daily basis. But it's it's a cool experience to view you from a different perspective. And not that I not that I have any experience of that's what you deal with. But you were saying you wouldn't trade it. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't trade you wouldn't trade this condition for not having it because it's I find that really interesting because I say the same thing about cystic fibrosis. Yeah. I you know if 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 someone today was like, "Hey, uh guess what? We came up with a cure. We just need to give you this needle." I probably would be like the podcast is going to be done no if that thanks. happens. Yeah, no thanks. I got this podcast that kind of hinges on that. No, but I actually I I'm actually not sure if I would take it. From I, birth, but you've already got the mindset. 
You've already, it's already given you, a, it's already given you the gift. Yeah. That's not to say but, don't, don't, don't stop working on don't, that. Don't, oh yeah, no, cure. no, no, keep, like, keep working, there, like do some, that shit. I, you know, I, that would, you'd be all, there are it, parents out there with young yeah, children. Absolutely. And with I'm just CF saying that like, the way that, the, needle. the way that I've used CF to live my life, I, I, I almost, I'm almost grateful for being dealt those cards because right. I, I love my life and the way that it's, it's that gone. That comes from a place of self-acceptance too, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to know I'm, I could have easily ended up a very different person if my life had carried on from when I was 18, 19, 20, what I expected my life to be. Yeah. And now, not that I look at those people and judge them, but I sort of do. What, do you, <laughs> what, what kind of person do you think you would have ended up being if you, if you didn't end up getting sick i'm sure i would have been still like nice i think that would be like the one word that would describe me i would probably would have just been nice where now white girl syndrome white girl yeah yeah pretty white girl syndrome Uh, i would be i would be such a fat fucking slob (laughs) like lazy ass just piece of shit of a human if i didn't have seen i guarantee you i guarantee you I think that one of the things that comes from it, I'm really different and I, I, I feel like I am myself because of all these vast experiences I've had. And I feel like I just, the way I look at other people has changed more so. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the gifts that I wouldn't give away. Yeah. But, Compassion. Yeah. And also they say mental health illness is kind of like a two-sided coin. Like you see life, but then you, or like you see the world, but you also see the other side of things too. You see, you get to look at something from both sides. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've heard, and maybe this is not true, but sometimes when people are suffering from something like depression, I don't know if you can speak on that, but when they say, when they say, come on, cheer up. Or, oh, or they tell you like you're Is you're in control. Worse? You're in control of your emotions, so you got to change you. Relax. Is it, is it is it the fact that that you're not in control of them, and this is just something inside of you is is kind of captaining your ship? That was a sweet metaphor. Nice. Oh. Nice. Like their work, um, their work. Is somebody captaining your ship inside, and you you don't have that 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 ability to steer it? I think when I look back at my depressive episodes, I do. I have that punitive voice being like, Nadine, why couldn't you just done something? Why did you do that? Why didn't you write that letter? Why didn't you do that assignment? Why didn't you? So I have a lot of questions. But when you're in the experience itself, there is there's nothing you can do. I used to have that attitude. I used to have that attitude where I'd be like, well, just just go and do something fun and cheer up. Like I, I used to have that. And I mean... And that is why I, I'm absolutely thrilled that we got to hang out last night, do this thing today, because like I hang out with Jeremy all the time. I, I we did this and I felt comfortable from the first second because I've known Jeremy for so long and we've always joked about his about CF. But I've never I've never talked to anybody who has a mental illness. I've never felt comfortable with it. Me but you I have talked to people. Yeah, with we just didn't know it. We just didn't know it. And we were like, why is that person <laughs> such an asshole? Or why is that person so sad yeah, all the time? Right. <laughs> 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 you know what, though? I actually had an experience. This was this was terrible. I had an experience uh, when I was teaching at a um, uh, a summer camp. And one of the one of the kids that came in, it was it was all boys in this one group that we had. There was about seven boys. And they were like between the ages of like uh, nine and 14. 
And there was one of the boys out of the group who was kind of an issue with us, right? He was like always like stirring up trouble with the other guys. The other guys, like everyone, no one was a fan of this kid. He was always like, and it, it was it was driving us nuts. And we just thought, okay, this this kid's just an asshole. This kid's an asshole. Like mm-hmm. we and that and that's how we saw this kid for the whole week. And at the end of the week, I sat him down. I was like, dude, like you can't you can't talk to people like that. Like you can't be like this to other people. And uh, one of the things he said was, he goes, well, I can't help it. I have Asperger's. And we, I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I have Asperger's. And I was like, why didn't we fucking know that? Like, Why were was, you told that? There was a form that your parents were supposed to fill out. And on that form, it says, is there anything that we need to know, like medically? And they didn't fill any, they didn't put a thing down. And I was so irate because I spent the week thinking that he's thinking that this kid's just a dick when really that kid really couldn't help like his his social graces social cues that yeah. were just totally off because he's dealing with this like mental illness that and and he's trying to like navigate that those waters uh, down and, in front Brian and and <laughs> I can't speak for that situation but I can only imagine that the parents were probably thinking well if we write this on a piece of paper, gonna people are going to treat them differently. Yeah. Well, that's why that's why our experience. Brian and I just ran a, a a yoga a yoga kids summer camp, and we had a kid with Aspergers, and his mom came up and said, "Hey, um, George has Aspergers, and you know you might notice this, you might notice that, you might not notice it at all, but just so you're aware, and just so that you're you know you just so you know, yeah. Because to me, he was like any other kid. Oh, he was like any other kid, and and. And if anything did happen out of the ordinary, it was like, oh, okay, well, that's why. And I'm, I feel comfortable acknowledging it because, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. If they write it down on a piece of paper, they might think, oh, they're going to treat him differently. But with that human to human interaction of her going up to us and saying, this is, this is what he has this is what he deals with. That made it so easy for us to go. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I can, yeah. Now I feel equipped, especially oh, man, because I, I so, talked to his mother. I was so angry. Yeah, at that that's situation. totally. I was just so bummed out because it, and you know what? It honestly, it made me feel like a total asshole. It made me feel. I, then I was like, I'm the asshole yeah. because I'm looking at this kid and I'm judging this kid for being an asshole. <laughs> but, but you're the asshole. I'm not. I wasn't taking into consideration, like you said earlier. Like you never know what people are coming from. You never know what people are are dealing with. You never know people's story, right? Mm. And how do you having that compassion is oh man that's a virtue. And Nadine, how do you how do you want people to treat you? Just I I know I kind of asked this earlier, and and I would say not to feel bad for me, but to understand. I I guess one of the things is just to have empathy Mm. that you don't know where I am, you don't you don't have insight into my situation at hand, but just try to imagine yourself where I am Mm. and try to get a sense of what that's like for me and then maybe act on that or make your decisions based on having some empathy. Mm. Did you blame your haircut on the bipolar? I did. No, no, I totally totally did not. It looks great. It looks fantastic. I did not. You talked about (laughs) trying... uh, I didn't. You you talked about about not, not wanting to blame things on by polar and play the bipolar card so in the last few episodes we've asked this oh, yeah. question have you ever have you ever used the bipolar card to get laid 
Absolutely not. No? <laughs> no. Do you think it would go over well <laughs> if you tried? <laughs> this is, that was like, not a question. I, 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 okay. So Brian, Brian actually kind of butchered that because it's not to get laid. It's have you ever played it? Because that's a question we've asked everybody. Is no, no, it's pretty, no, no. Every it's episode is pretty good, much. Have you done it to 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 sleep with someone? And it's it's totally really? different when oh, you're yeah. talking about mental. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just I have like cancer, and I'm not going to be around for that long. Oh, sorry. I thought it was just have you played it in general? No, 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 no. To like no, get, it's always to been like about sex. Get what you <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was time. it was totally not appropriate for this episode. Oh no, it totally is. But you have you can totally use it. You can totally use it. You just be like, yo, I'm a freak. I got bipolar. I get freaky. Yeah, a lot of bipolar. There is hypersexuality, though. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. So, have you experienced that? Yes, Uh, that was a huge part of. It was a huge part of my life, but uh, it was a part of that, like being unwell. Yeah, when you were going through that that phase. Yeah, which is something that's difficult to talk about. It's essentially nymphomania. Yeah, that's like this is the new word for it. Yeah. So yeah, being sexually promiscuous. Thank God I was like in a relationship though that I was really committed to. There were times where when I was really unwell though, things were happening, but sexuality is a huge uh it's it's something that's deeply affected by wow. your mood, right? Yeah, like yeah, anyone yeah. else. If Absolutely. you're depressed you don't want to. Yeah. But I'm glad you I'm glad you bring that up too because I'm I'm sure that that, is, that does sound like one of the harder things to talk about about yeah. living with bipolar and and there are people out there who have it right now and who are feeling that way. And it's important to let them know that that's okay. You're feeling that way because of this reason, you know? Mm. Was there anything that, uh, and if, you know, just if this goes too far, just tell me to <laughs> shut up. But like when you were going through that phase, like was there anything that you could do in those times of, like, for example, when you were in your relationship and you were feeling like, I have to act out, like I have to go have sex with someone or I have to go do something. Like, how did you, how did you deal with that? Like, did, did you, talk, was that something that you talked to with your fiance or, or your, your uh, partner at the time or? Cause that's like, that's a crazy thing yeah. to think about talking to with your partner is saying like, I want to go have sex with everyone I see. Uh, we got to talk about this, you know? Like, that, that was the exact conversation. Jerry. Holy. No, yo, no, I'm just, oh, what? Oh, no, I'm oh, just kidding. I was like, whoa, totally what? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, for me, it was more so like, just like the need to have sex, like. Oh, just like not doesn't not specifically with Wait, anyone I, and everyone, no. but like just to have it. Yeah, it was right. Which is so like your libido just kind of shot through the roof. Exactly. So you were like an eighteen-year-old guy, <laughs> basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, women, welcome to a guy's life. Hey. <laughs> Eighteen-year-old guy's life. Uh, you oh. kept us in check for so long, and, and now, now we broke. And now yeah. you're such a good counterbalance for us. Uh, no, okay, yeah. So it was just you were just uh, yeah. born to go all the time. Yeah, and I just thought it was who I was, and people yeah. thought that that was great about me. But I know that when people go into relationships, what I've read is that you need, especially with type one, like you need to have the conversation. Like I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to things like I have a history of like being loyal. You mean like, yeah. Or having something happen. Yeah, exactly. Being loyal. And if you have a history of that and you have a mood disorder, which that's part of the trajectory of that illness, then you know, you have to talk to your partners about that. I haven't had to have that combo, but that's so wild to think about to be like, I have this 
mental disorder where I'll probably cheat on you. Are yeah. you are you prepared for that? Is yeah. that type one though specifically, or is that type two as well? I'm sure it happens in both. For me right now, my meds <coughs> have changed my libido significantly. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm lucky. Like you know, sometimes I'm just super thankful that it's 2015. And the, yeah. the options are out there. That's I say that to myself sometimes. Like, thank goodness, I you know, there's a certain level of understanding right now that has never been before. Yeah, there are medications, there are therapies, there is. I was talking to someone the other day who's on a antidepressant, I think, and uh, they can't they can't climax, they can't come mm-hmm. because of it. A guy or a girl? Uh, it was a female. Yeah. Totally like normal sex drive, but just can't, uh, can't come. Yeah. It's can't amazing how these things affect you. <clears throat> yeah. Right? That's a really, oh, sorry. No, you had. That's a really interesting, uh, that's a really interesting point about like back in time. Cause I mean, just like, uh, just like you have to have, you used to have kids that would have, would be born with, uh, with a disability, mental disability. And, you know, they just get like thrown by the wayside cause the people thought they were useless to society. You know, you obviously. Even were, with epilepsy, I, my education is in nursing, and I remember working well, at, at long-term well, care facilities. Wait a minute. Do you have epilepsy, too? No, I don't. Okay, shit. I was like, whoa, this podcast <laughs> is going to be a doubleheader. <laughs> <laughs> Next epilepsy time. coming at you. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, I just remember Carry on. someone being institutionalized when they were three or four for having seizures. That was... Institute... Mm- I'm sorry. <laughs> institutionalized? Yeah, put into a home. Sweet. Baby Jesus. That's what, you know, with, we have come far and wide in the last, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you know, how many people, how many people back in the day and back in the day is categorizing like anywhere from like. (laughs) Anywhere beyond this second. Yeah, exactly. Like 20 (laughs) years ago or more or, or like 10 years ago or more. People just not having, not having any idea how to, how to deal with that or how to, how to approach it. We still, we're still coming along big time. Oh yeah. There's. Long way to go. Yeah. What was the scariest moment of your life um, with bipolar? When we were talking earlier about uh, attempting suicide, obviously that's a very terrifying thing. Oh, yeah. Thing Jesus. To go yeah. Through. Of course. I can't but, believe we just brushed past that, actually. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, is it okay that we talk about that or is that really. Yeah. Well, we can always edit this out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, up to you. It's, it's up, up to you. It's totally up to you. Like, if you don't yeah. want to go there, we don't have to go there. But uh, how, do, like, I've never talked to someone that I've known. Uh-huh. I've never talked to someone about them Attempted. attempting to kill themselves. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, just tell me to shut up if you need to, but how did you, how did you attempt to kill yourself? Well, I was taking beta blockers for my heart at the time because one of my symptoms was having really irregular heartbeat and beating my chest. So I was taking beta blockers. So I tried to overdose on heart medication. So essentially my heart would stop and, uh, yeah, that's what had happened. Did someone find you or did you uh, purge yourself or? Uh, someone found me the first time. The second time I was really scared because I had gone through it before the yeah. first time. And so you did, you did the beta blockers twice. Yeah. Okay. And the second time we were vacationing in Ontario and my ex was 
Okay, I'll start this again because my voice is shaking. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Take your time. Um, so I was vacationing in Ontario. That had happened where I had taken meds and we got up next morning, five o'clock, drove to Nova Scotia. He dropped me off at the hospital in Truro and left. So I was in the emergency room all by myself. This having just happened because obviously this reflects affects your relationships and he was going through things too right and the scariest moment was they do admit admitting blood work and the nurse came in and she was like you're pregnant (laughs) and i was like i can't believe this right now and i was so alone and scared and like even now my voice is shaking talking about it but Looking back, I just wish I could go and tell myself it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is, and it, it is okay now. Yeah. 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 It is. We're I, so, I'm so <laughs> stoked that you're sitting here right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so amazed by, by you and the way that you carry yourself. And, and it makes me like, I feel like you're a really amazing role model too. To lots of people who are going through the same thing. And, and I, people I, that aren't. Like, and people that just right. aren't even, you know? Like, that whole compassion thing is, like I said, it's a virtue, you know? And you you may or may not know this, but you carry it with you wherever you go. Like, whenever you're at the studio, you know? It's like, you're like, you reek compassion <laughs> it's great See, and that's the thing is i wouldn't fantastic. trade this in yeah there's lots of moments like that where yeah i look back and i'm like oh my gosh nadine like i can barely remember how hard it was because it was so hard <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah you you just block you almost block it out i have a question yeah how do i word this um would you say Having bipolar, like, would you say you have mixed feelings about it? (laughs) 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 Try try asking it again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be in our ebook. (laughs) Ah, boom. That'll be in our ebook. Write that down. Yeah, I mean, when I was in, when I'm in a depressive episode, when I first moved back to Halifax, actually, I remember walking down the street and like crying kind of and being like oh it's so sad that you have bipolar and why does life have to be like this and blah. and i was like you can't just be sad because you have bipolar you're only making things way, way worse, worse. <laughs> <laughs> like you actually have nothing to be sad about right now you're just sad about this fact that you, you have yeah so yeah uh, <laughs> well nadine thank you for coming in here and sharing your experience of Bipolar 2, the sequel, <laughs> with us. Uh, I, I'm i grateful that uh, we have gotten to know each other a little more and uh, looking forward to getting to know you more over the years. <laughs> I, I think you're a pretty rad person. And if you like what you heard today, please, please, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. That's also super important. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, feel free to get at us um, at Sick Boy Podcast on Twitter. You can email us at sickboypodcast 
What the fuck is our email? Hey, hold on. Re- no, 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 no. This no, is it. Good. This is, is good. good. What's our email? At gmail.com. Sickboypodcast. Sick, oh, yeah. Sickboypodcast at, at gmail.com. And the password Sickboypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, and uh, we're on Facebook, too. Just put Sickboypodcast into Facebook. I'm sure you'll find us. Uh, awesome. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Jeremy. I'm Brian. And I'm Taylor. And this is Sick Boy. Hey, so this is the part of the podcast where we talk about our sponsorships, but uh, we don't have any. So if you loved our podcast and you are a potential sponsor or you have anything that you want us to plug or talk about and get the word out, uh, send it our way. Give us a shout and we'd love to include you as a part of our family and a part of our podcast. And also just know that, you know, I, I have cystic fibrosis. I only have a limited amount of time left on this earth and... If you are choosing to not sponsor this podcast, you're essentially spitting on what life I have left. Um, so, you know, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, do, I think, I think that that, that one's that was, actually so good. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> it's one of those things that I'm like, I, when I hear it, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's so funny. But I hope that other oh, people I aren't hope, like... I hope, I hope other people are like, that motherfucker... <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.